Well, folks, I just got back from the theaters seeing Barbie and Oppenheimer. I'm about to review both of them. I'm gonna tell you which one of these is the best blockbuster of 2023 and which one is maybe the worst. I bet he loved our movie, right, Ken? For those of you who can't wait that long, I'm gonna give my review of the Barbie movie in the most Oppenheimer fashion. What the f Run. So the things I do for my audience, my producers dragged me to go see Barbie movie, Barbie the movie. And, um, and um, I, have, I have thoughts. This video is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Let me begin with my generalized assessment of the movie. This movie is not just a piece of This movie is a flaming piece of dog piled atop an entire dumpster on fire, piled atop a landfill filled with dog It is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. On every possible level, it is a horrific movie. The only thing that can be said for this film is production design. Production design is really nice. The costumes are really nice. Also, it's really hard to screw that up. It's really hard to screw that up because you literally have this to model after. All you have to do is this, but big, okay? It's really not tough. But put aside all of the beautiful costumes, which is there for the ladies, and all of the production design and, and the Barbie universe and all of that. Every joke that happens in this film happens basically within the first 45 seconds of the film. So for example, Barbie turns on the water and there's no water. Ooh, because you know, like in Barbie house, there's no actual water. Do you, do you get it? And then she drinks, but there's no actual liquid in the, in, the actual, in the actual cup. Oh my God, because she's a Barbie doll. Oh, I get it. Okay, that's all the jokes. There are no more jokes for the rest of the film. The movie's a show. Okay, so conceptually, the movie is a show. I want to ask this. Who's the intended audience for this film? Who's the intended audience for this film? So I'll tell you who the intended audience for this film is. And I can tell two ways. One, the previews on the film. And two, the people in the audience. So the intended audience for this film is moms and their eight-year-old daughters. That's the intended audience for the film. I know because the previews for the film were all kids' movies. I'm talking like G or PG rated kids' films. We're talking like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Trolls 4 or whatever it is. Those were all the previews, right? All the previews are actually directed at what the audience is supposed to be for this film. And if you look in the audience, it's a bunch of moms like youngish moms, middle-aged moms with their like six, seven, eight-year-old girls. That's the entire crew. This movie is not made for any of those people. In fact, this movie is made for no one. This movie is going to make a bunch of money week one because the marketing effort has been extraordinary. I mean, whoever's the marketing team over at Warner Brothers is doing an amazing job. Week one, this thing is going to clean up at the domestic box office. My prediction is going to just absolutely fall off a cliff after that. The repeat business on this movie is going to be non-existent because it was written by two people who are so smug and self-satisfied and Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach that they have no audience. I mean, like, the, who thought it's a great idea? Let's bring on the people who wrote Lady Bird and Marriage Story to make a movie about a plastic doll that is generally played with by five to nine-year-old young girls. So the basic idea of the film, they, they really have no basic idea of the film. They don't know whether they hate Barbie or they we're supposed to kind of like Barbie. It, it seems they kind of despise Barbie as a fascist emblem, as we'll get to. The basic sort of premise of the film, politically speaking, is that men and women are on two sides of the divide and they, and they hate each other. And literally the only way you can have a happy world is if the women ignore the men and the men ignore the women. That seems to be the, the final outcome of this film. I was trying to separate this into problems with plot and problems with character and problems with, with the politics of the film, but they're all intertwined because the thing is just a mess. It doesn't make any sense. Plot-wise, it makes no sense. Character-wise, it makes no sense. So let's just go through it from the beginning. Okay, there's gonna be lots of spoilers, but believe you me, I'm about to save you so much time because this movie is two hours. It feels like it is longer than the Wagnerian ring cycle. It does not end. 
Every scene is at least two minutes too long. Every single scene, every beat is two minutes too long. It is a bad film. Put aside the politics. Like, really, I, I was sitting there with a bunch of my producers. I'm a little bit more political than my producers. My producers were watching this, putting the politics aside. It is a bad movie. So why is it getting 91% on Rotten Tomatoes? Because the way that it works for the reviewers is if you have the right politics, and those politics are sufficiently slyly inserted, then it will get a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, even if the thing is just Drek. And I mean, boy, is this Drek. This is a, this is a Death Star-sized piece of Drek. It is like, that's no moon. That's a Drek station. That is that, that this movie. Okay, so let, let's jump into it. I have like pages and pages of notes on this horrific piece of I mean, my goodness. Okay, so let's start right at the beginning. So it's at, at, from the beginning, you know what this movie is going to be. And it's going to be a very cynical take on what Barbie is, which is so weird. I don't know why Mattel would turn over its IP to filmmakers who clearly hate the IP. It, it, it's as though you were going to make Toy Story, except that toys are all evil. They're all bad and you're supposed to hate them and you should burn them. Because that's kind of the message of the film is that the Barbies are bad for the world. Okay, so it begins by trying to uphold the original vision of Barbie. What was the original magical vision of Barbie? We have Helen Mirren here to tell us in the form of a narrator apparently played by Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who's speaking from heaven. And uh, we get a 2001 A Space Odyssey flashback, which again, who's the audience for this? Right? The reference points in this film, it references variously Marcel Proust. It references Robert Evans and the cinematography of The Godfather. It references... 2001, A Space Odyssey is a movie made for moms and their seven-year-old girls. Well, folks, wasting two hours of my precious time, two hours I will never get back, two hours around my deathbed, I will wish that I had not spent that time doing, makes me viscerally angry. But I'm going to talk to you about something that makes me much happier, and that is our trusted privacy partner and premier sponsor of the show, ExpressVPN. What if there was someone out there who kept a log of every single thing you did every minute of the day? Creepy, right? What if I told you that's exactly what happens every time you go online? Your ISP is tracking and logging every single website you've ever visited. It can legally sell that information to anyone, which is why I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers, so your internet provider cannot track your online activity. You might be wondering to yourself, if I'm rooting all my data through a VPN, can't that VPN log my data instead? That does happen, but not in the case of ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is the only VPN I trust because they use trusted server technology that makes it impossible for their VPN servers to store data. They even had one of the biggest assurance firms, Price Waterhouse Cooper, audit their tech so you know you can trust it. Stop letting people keep logs of what you do online. Visit expressvpn.com slash benyt right now. Find out how you can get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash benyt. Expressvpn.com slash benyt today. Okay, so. It starts with Helen Mirren explaining that back in the day, girls would only play with dolls, dolls that looked like babies. And then she says that this could be fun, at least for a while anyway. Ask your mother, because your mother actually hates you and doesn't like being a mom, you see. So that's so if you ask your mom, she wants to play at not being a mom sometimes. Okay, so the basic premise is Barbie is supposed to be the independent woman who liberates all womanhood, but she fails. And she fails for two reasons. One, she's actually a tool of the patriarchal capitalist system. And two, the real world has rejected the message of Barbie, which is that women should run everything. Okay, so th this is all not implicit. This is explicitly said. At the beginning, the monologue, you have Helen Mirren saying, because Barbie can be anything, women can be anything. At least that's what the Barbies think. See, in the real world, women can't be anything. And that's one of the messages of the film. In the real world, men run pretty much everything, which is weird. Who greenlit this piece of shit? I mean, Greta Gerwig is a lady. She's making a good living off of this. Margot Robbie is playing the lead. In fact, the entire cast, aside from basically Ryan Gosling, is women. So um, it seems like women are doing okay. But again, put aside the metalogic of it. 
I'm going to go through like a lot of beats here. So it starts off with the idea that mommy dolls are bad and insufficient. But then they criticize Mattel for discontinuing a mommy doll named Midge. Right? Midge is the pregnant doll and it was discontinued. They're like, that's bad. Wait, but hold on, you just said that, that dolls about motherhood are bad. But then this one, don't look for any sort of logical coherence. There is a Citizens United reference. They say all of the members of the Barbie Supreme Court are women. And then they are speaking out about Citizens United, that corporations are not people. It's literally a Citizens United reference. Who is the audience for this? Who, who is the seven-year-old girl who's like, yes, I too have a, a, a very informed perspective on the Citizens United decision. And then they say that logic and feeling at the same time, it doesn't diminish us. It proves that we are more than, right? It's, it's all propagandistic. And uh, then it sets up the dichotomy. The dichotomy is that men and women are in complete and utter contradistinction in terms of their roles. So women only exist if they are completely free of men. And men only exist if they are completely free of women. And the problem for Ken, the problem is set up for Ken, is that Ken is dependent on Barbie, right? Because Ken is kind of secondary. And we also set up at the very beginning that Barbie doesn't like Ken. She finds Ken annoying. She finds Ken ridiculous, which again is sort of against the concept of Ken and Barbie. But the, the basic idea is that, that Barbie is an independent woman and Ken is completely superfluous. We then go to the beach and there is a scene on the beach where Ken, the Kens are, are, are supposed to be the lifeguards and the ladies are playing on the beach. And we get a series of gay masturbation jokes. Again, there's an audience for children. They're talking about beaching each other off. Right? There's a, a, a line where Ken says to another one of the Kens, I'm going to beach you off. Get it? Get it? You get it? Because it's like, like beat you off, but beach you off. And then they repeat that no less than four or five times in the span of 45 seconds. If I wasn't severely injured, I would beat you off right now, Ken. I'll beat you off with you any day, Ken. Anyone who wants to beach him off has to beach me off first. I will beach both of you off at the same time. Beach both of us off? Nobody's going to beach anyone off. Bazinga. (laughs) Because it's just such a great gay masturbation joke. You got to go for it. I mean, what else will the seven-year-old girls in the audience think if you don't go for the gay masturbation joke on the beach? Clearly, clearly. We get black female President Barbie because this is, of course, the greatest of all possible worlds. So Kamala Harris, is, the Barbie version, is, uh, is the president of the United States. And then we get the break, right? Then we get the actual plot point. Plot point number one, Barbie has irrepressible thoughts of death. So again, at this point, you might be thinking to yourself, wait a second, isn't this a kid's movie? Isn't this supposed to be made for seven-year-old girls? Nope. It's about existential angst over, over mortality. That's what this film is about. Now, again, interlaced through all of this is just more and more and more politics, right? One of the Barbies is a trans Barbie, and this is treated totally normally, as though this is a female Barbie with a voice, again, deeper than my own. So Barbie starts to have these irrepressible thoughts of death, and this comes along with physical symptoms, like, for example, her feet flatten out. Again, this is one of the few cute jokes in the movie, is that Barbie walks around, and just like a normal Barbie doll, when you take off the shoes, the feet are shaped like the, like the shoe, like the high heel, but now she is turning into like a real-world person, and so her feet collapse, right? And so she goes to see Weird Barbie. So Weird Barbie is a Barbie that has been played with too hard and has all the knowledge, not only about Barbie land, but also about the real world. And apparently there's a connection between the people playing with the Barbies and the Barbies. So if the people playing with the Barbies are sad, then the Barbies also get sad. Weird that this has only happened to Barbie because it turns out that lots of people are sad and have played with Barbies for a very long time. But that's the plot point. Fine. And again, the concept of like a Barbie that was played with too hard is very funny because everybody has seen that before. And they somehow blow this. Somehow they make this into a not funny thing. So weird Barbie is is ugly and she has bad makeup and all the rest of it. And she informs Barbie she has to go to the real world and she has to find the person who is playing with her and she has to make that person feel better because that will heal the problem that she's having in Barbie land. Okay, so we have our plot point, right? We have the thing that's going to launch us off into the rest of the movie. 
And then it's just a complete mess from here on in. At least to this point, it's, it's kind of dumb but coherent. From here on in, it makes no sense at all. Again, Kate McKinnon sets up the dichotomy that, that pretty much the makers of the film hate Barbie by suggesting that you can live in fancy land with Barbie and you can take the Barbie shoe or you can take Birkenstocks, right? You can, you can become like a Portland lesbian and you can learn about reality. That, that, that's, the, that, that's going to be the, the choice that you have to make. But not before she makes a joke about Ken and wanting to see the nude blob he is packing under those pants. That's so, that's, somebody said that? Perfect for eight-year-old girls, ladies. Mothers, just be, be warned. Ken and Barbie head off to the real world to try to find the, the person who is playing with Barbie. And immediately upon arriving in the real world, Barbie is hit with an overwhelming tsunami of sexism. Like right away, boom, she walks in and a bunch of men just leer at her and say, give us a smile, blondie, which is something that no one under the age of 70 has, has said to a woman in the recent past. Give us a smile, blondie. Seriously? Hey, hey. We, we get Barbie explaining that all of the men who are, who are leering at her and gazing at her, they, are, they have an undertone of violence. Everything's in, she, she's threatened. She's physically threatened because this is the real world. The real world is not like Barbie land. In the real world, all women are, are victims. They are deep and abiding victims of the system, as we'll learn by the use of the word patriarchy no less than 10 times in this film. She gets arrested like twice for various crimes. Even the police officers are rabid, raging sexists. The police officers are hitting on Barbie. They're making observations about her appearance. Ken, meanwhile, is getting super happy because Ken, who's been sort of an underling in Barbie land, now he's realizing he's part of the patriarchy and the patriarchy is awesome. Ken is loving the patriarchy. Now, you might imagine at this point that the way the film is going to go is that Ken and Barbie are going to have to some sort of agree about seeing each other as equal human beings. You might imagine that's where it's going to Wrong. That's not where the film is going to go. You might have thought that what you were going to get was Ken gets treated with respect as a person and Barbie gets treated with respect as a person. And that's a better, nope, wrong. In the end, not to skip ahead, Barbie land just gets restored and the men are still subservient. That's the best, that's the best version of the world. Okay, so Ken is walking around and he's really enjoying the patriarchy and all of this. And um, he explains that men rule this world and he goes to Mattel and all the members of the board are, are men. By the way, I'd like to see a corporate breakdown of the Mattel board. I'll bet, I'll bet I can find it. Like the CEO of Mattel for 30 years was a woman. So there's that. They pretend that like Mattel is all run by men. So I just, now, now I want to know who is the, who's on the board. Okay, CEO is, chairman and CEO is a dude. The board includes one, two, three, four, five. It includes five women. So it's six men and five women. Clearly patriarchal domination. Clearly patriarchal domination. Just wanted to look that up just for the sake of, you know, accuracy. Whenever I do these reviews, like, oh, you're taking the movie too seriously. The movie takes itself too seriously, guys. It pretends to be a comedy, but it's taking itself super seriously. Fine. So it's all men at the top of Mattel, and they realize that Barbie and Ken have escaped Barbie land. And this presents some sort of threat. What kind of threat? Because the writers are shitty. They don't bother explaining. They're just like, a threat. And Will Ferrell acts all weird and goofy, like Will Ferrell. And he's funny because it's Will Ferrell acting weird and goofy. But he's not funny because it's just Will Ferrell with no actual plot or dialogue to speak of just being weird. We'll fill that in later. There's so many places in the script where it's basically like the writers just, they left a gap and they're like, we'll leave a couple asterisks, we'll fill it in later. And then later they got there and they're like, nah, we'll just, we'll just skip right over it, fine. So they figured they got to track down Barbie and Ken. And meanwhile, Barbie is trying to track down the girl who's playing with her. And she mistakenly thinks that it is a teenage girl who is playing with her and who is unhappy. And uh, at this point, she receives a lecture from the teenage girl about how Barbie has ruined the world and actually is fascist how Barbie is a sexualized capitalistic emblem, how Barbie has created unattainable feminine ideals, how 
Barbie is ruining the planet with rampant consumerism. You get like this full lecture right in the middle of the film. It's truly awful. It's truly awful. She's called a fascist. By the way, it only sets up the, the only good line of the film, truly, in my opinion. There's one good line in the film, and that is where Barbie is trying to contemplate whether she's a fascist or not, and she says, I don't control the railways or the flow of commerce. Now, there's only one problem with that line, as with the entire movie. There is no character consistency. Barbie is supposed to be an idiot bubblehead piece of plastic from Barbie land. How does she know what a fascist is? How does she know what, about the flow of commerce? Like, again, just in terms of character consistency, like characters who actually are the characters, makes no sense whatsoever. So meanwhile, Ken is wandering around, enjoying the patriarchy more and more and more. And uh, he keeps asking men about the patriarchy. And at one point, he asks a dude about the patriarchy. And the guy says, well, that's not really the way that it works here anymore. He says, really? He says, no, it still works that way. We just hide it really well. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Again, you can't even, you can't even present the, the you know, mild other side of the film. And this sort of nonsense continues. The second, first third of the film is about how Mattel is kind of bad for creating this fancy land. Second third of the film is about the real world evils of the patriarchy. Oh, the patriarchy. Oh, the patriarchy. Culminating in an idiotic line where one of the low level members of Mattel is with the board and Barbie is looking for a woman at the board. And the low-level man says, I'm a man with no power. Does that make me a woman? <laughs> no, you can't parallel park. That's what makes you a woman. Okay. And in any case, we get here a few obscure jokes about Proust Barbie, because again, Noah Baumbach has to show that he wrote some of the script. He made a reference to Proust. Doesn't that make him clever? Ooh. Next, he will make a reference, I would assume, to Victor Hugo. Wow. Proust. Ooh. Idiots who think they're smart. It's total. Ugh. Okay, then Barbie escapes the Mattel building. They were going to package her up and they were going to send her back to Barbie land. And, uh, and she instead runs and she escapes the Mattel building. And uh, she hooks up with America Ferreira. So America Ferreira is the actual one who's playing with Barbie as a youth. And it's her daughter who Barbie had originally approached. Twist! Okay, and she decides that in order to escape the Mattel executives, she's going to have to bring both of them back to Barbie land. Why, should, why does she bring both of them back to Barbie land? No one knows. There's no actual, there's, there's no explanation as to why she's supposed to bring both of them back to Barbie land. Supposedly, it's because she needs to escape back to Barbie land, but she could do that without the two of them. But she decides she's going to bring them back. So she brings them back to Barbie land. Meanwhile, the Mattel executives are chasing her. Now, question, why are they chasing her? They achieved their goal. Barbie is back in Barbie land. Why, 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 are they, why are they still chasing her? No one knows. It doesn't make any sense. They literally say, there will be consequences you can't even imagine. And then they're like, what consequences? And they're like, uh, fill in the blank. And some dude says something about a podcast with two trees. You're like, that's, that's, it's the laziest, shitty writing. God bless it. Okay, anyway. So Ken, in the meantime, he is already headed, while she was, you know, futzing around over at Mattel, Ken is already headed back to Ken, uh, to, to Barbie land, where he has immediately established the patriarchy. So just to, uh, just to point out here, the point of the film is that the matriarchy is amazing. Right? Women are amazing at everything. Ken walks in, and within two seconds, he has taken over all of Barbie land, and he has turned it into the Kendom. Within, within two seconds. So apparently the women are so unbelievably competent and brilliant and great at everything over in Barbie land that an idiot man walks in and takes over the whole place inside of two seconds. Fine. So he takes over the entire place. We later learn that's because the women, they didn't know what was coming. They, 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 it's, we later learn they didn't have immunity. And the way that they get immunity is by learning to hate the men. That you got, that's the way that they have to learn to hate men. Okay, so Ken decides he's going to go back and he's going to establish his uh, patriarchal system. We only learn this when Barbie heads back with America Ferreira and Random Daughter. And, um, and Ken immediately starts acting like the jerks in the patriarchy, right? He calls her baby. Oh, no. He calls her baby. The, the greatest of all insults, he calls her baby. 
And, uh, and then America Ferrer is trying to explain to Barbie what exactly is going on. And she's like, it's just like the indigenous people and smallpox. They had no immunity. Howard Zinn wrote the script. So they, 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 the ladies in Barbie land had no immunity to the magic of the patriarchy, the magic. The women were seduced into... So just to point out here, the actual argument the movie is making is that if women enjoy men, it's because they have been brainwashed by the patriarchy. They make this message explicit in just a few minutes in the film. And when I say a few minutes, I mean several years because this film took years off my life. It is long, it is boring, and it's terrible. Okay, so the Kens are about to perform... I have a, None of this makes any damn sense. Okay, the Kens are about to have a vote to change the Constitution. Why? Why? Ken literally just sees power. He's a fascist. What the f*** is he going to vote for? What, why are they voting? Like, he, he sees power. Also, what is the breakdown demographically of the Kens and the Barbies? Are there as many Kens as Barbies? Because why would they hold a vote? The Kens appear to be in a minority in Barbie land. There are a lot more Barbies than Kens. So if that's the case, why even do the Democratic vote thing? Why not just seize the power? Because then you wouldn't have the rest of the dumb plot of this stupid film. So they decide they're going to hold the vote. And not only are they going to hold the vote, they're going to be very fair about it. They're going to hold it in 48 hours. They're going to hold it in a couple of days to make sure that the Barbies have time to actually form a counter plan. Why would they do that? No reason. Asterisk, asterisk, we'll, we'll fill it in later. Okay, so they decide they're going to hold this, this dumbass vote. And the, the Barbies learn about this. And they're very, de- Barbie is very depressed because Barbie realizes that all the other Barbies have been taken in by the patriarchy. And this is extremely bad. Now, here's one place where you have a serious continuity area in the film. So Margot Robbie, who plays Barbie at the beginning, half the time she plays Barbie is kind of stiff like at all. And half the time she plays Barbie is just kind of normal. And uh, so now she plays it super stiff like at all. She sits down, you know, in kind of 90 degree position like a Barbie would. And she keels over in the 90 degree position. And it would be funny, except she hasn't been doing it the whole film. Again, the, the level of inconsistency and bad filmmaking here is just off the charts. They, they, they needed somebody to actually sit down with them and be an adult in the room, and no one was there. So at this point, America Ferreira and daughter decide they've given up on Barbie because Barbie won't fight for herself. And so they take off. And Michael Sarah, for no reason, is in this film. And he's in the back of the car, and we don't know why. Yeah, I'm, I'm confused about that. And he serves no purpose other than to have a random fight scene. And also so that they can make a Trump building the wall reference. Right? They, they, they're, apparently, the Kens are going to build a wall to keep people from getting in or getting out. Now, here's the weird part. No one has ever entered or exited Barbie land before. Why are you building a wall? What is the necessity for a wall? No one explains. It's just a dumb Trump reference so that everybody who is friends with Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig can laugh and nod <laughs> like the morons they are. And so the daughter and the mom, they decide, no, we have to go back and we have to save Barbie land. They're going to save Barbie land. And who do they go to? They go to wise, weird, lesbian Barbie. They go back to Kate McKinnon and they ask her about this and they bring Barbie with them and they're going to try to figure out a strategy. How do they stop the Kens from winning the vote? Now, you might say to yourself, wait, um, aren't the women a majority? Do they not have agency, the women? They have no agency, apparently. So apparently the women have no agency and they are a majority and yet they have to be deprogrammed. They're going to be deprogrammed by weird Barbie and her and her crazy cadre of feminist heroes. (laughs) I love you guys. And this is when we start getting into the real, the real, you think it's propagandistic so far? Oh man, wait, here is where we get into like the real meat of it. Okay, so we end up with Barbie complaining. She's complaining to weird Barbie. And she says, oh my God, they've brainwashed all the other Barbies. They've brainwashed all the other Barbies. She says, quote, either you're brainwashed or you're weird and ugly. There is no in between. And weird Barbie says, tell me about it. And this is the perspective of the film. Either you're a third wave feminist kook who hates men, truly hates men. Or you are brainwashed. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. 
there's no in between. There's no actual relationship between men and women. There can't be any sort of fulfilling relationship between men and women. There are no decent males in the entire film. All the men are garbage. The only man who even appears mildly is America for his husband, who's just kind of a joke. He's there for literally 10 seconds in the film making jokes about how he can't speak Spanish. That's, 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 his, whole, that's his whole role in the film. Every other man is a piece of shit in the film. Every one. And so this is the perspective of the film when you come right down to it. Either you are brainwashed or you are weird and ugly. And Barbie's like, yeah, that's what Barbie says. I mean, the only decent male is Alan, who apparently wants to wear pink and probably is supposed to be gay. I mean, I think it's supposed to be pretty clear from the film. Although, really, the take of the film is that all the Kens are gay. That's, that's really the take of the film, is that it's all homoerotic kind of stuff. Let's beach off. Anyone who wants to beach him off has to beach me off first. I will beach both of you off at the same time. And in any case, the filmmakers are so insecure with even their own script that they then have the narrator jet in to say, Margot Robbie might not be the best person to make this point, right? Because Barbie's saying, I don't feel beautiful anymore. And they're like, Margot Robbie, they literally jet in to say, Margot Robbie might not be the best person to make this point. Then maybe you shouldn't have written the point. Then maybe you shouldn't write it like that. Maybe you should not be a writer. Maybe you could do that. Okay, no. Okay, this is when we get the full bore thesis of the film. And guess what, guys? The thesis of the film, made by women, made for women, made starring women, funded by a studio that is largely staffed by men. The take of the film is that it is impossible to be a woman in the modern age. Impo absolutely impossible. And so we get this long speech of America Fur talking about how it's so difficult to be a woman. They want us to be this way, but not that way. They want us to be thin, but they don't want us to say that we're thin. They want us to earn money, but they don't want us to earn money. They want us to do this, and they don't want us to do that. They want us to answer for men's bad behavior, but they don't want us to offend men. They want us to do this, and they don't want us... Oh my God, it's so difficult to be a woman. So the same tried, truistic bullshit that they've been propagating in every new wave feminist film for the last 45 years in the United States is now, is now essentially telescoped into this one speech from America Ferro, including... A few cutaway shots of Margot Robbie looking up adoringly at America for her as she explains that it's super hard to be a woman. It's so damn difficult to be a woman. You know why? Because of the patriarchy, because of the men. That's the actual story of the film. And then they make a couple of other dumb references, right? The Zack Snyder cut. The men, they like the Zack Snyder cut. Wow, that's, that's terrible. Okay, fine. Then they say, you know what we need to do? We need to disabuse all of these Barbies of the patriarchy. How are we going to do this? We need to, we need to allow them to live with the cognitive dissonance required to be a woman under the patriarchy. That's a line from Barbie. Now, again, they keep doing this. They keep having Barbie drop these extremely literate and well-articulated lines, but she's supposed to be a plastic doll idiot. Authority should derive from the consent of the governed, not from the threat of force. It doesn't matter. What is their actual strategy? So they have, they have 48 hours to stop this vote, which shouldn't be happening in the first place because it makes no plot sense because the men are fascists and the women are, are victims. But somehow they've been given 48 hours to stop the vote. So what are they going to do to stop this vote? How are they going to do it? Well, they're going to separate the men and the women. Barbie! They're going to turn all the Barbies against the Kens. It's so subtle. The symbolism is so subtle. Turn all the women against the men and you will save society. That's the message that you could be shoveling directly into the brain of your eight-year-old girl, if you so choose, this weekend. Hmm. Maximum volume. <sighs> so um, they literally say this. Get the Barbies away from their Kens. How are they going to achieve this? Well, they're going to make the men complacent and then take their power. This is how women have achieved power. Now, let me just digress briefly here in how women actually achieved power in Western civilization. The answer is that they lobbied men and men gave it to them. That is the actual answer as to how women achieve power in Western civilization. The amendment to the Constitution that allowed women to vote was passed solely by men because women couldn't vote. 
It turns out there are a lot of good-hearted men out there who like women and who want women to be able to live lives that they want. It turns out that many of us are husbands and fathers. Many of us have daughters. Many of us love the people we're married to. It turns out that that actually describes a huge number of Western men, that we are not your enemies. And yet the entire premise of the movie is that what actually happened in the feminist movement is that women seize the power away from the men. I'm sorry to break it to you, ladies. It ain't true. It ain't true. This notion that women vote as a block is not true. Married women vote very much like their husbands, actually. Single women vote more like a block now than they did before. But it turns out that people are individuals and some women vote one way and some men vote another way. And this, But again, the idea here is very simplistic. Men versus women. Battle royale. And that's what this literally turns into, a battle royale between the women and the men. But really, it's about getting the men to fight each other. They bring all the Barbies one by one. They distract them. They bring the Barbies in one by one and they unbrainwash them. How do they unbrainwash them? Well, they tell them truths like any power you have must be masked under a giggle. I have a question. I mean, I work with a lot of women. Do they feel like the power that they have has to be masked under a giggle? Was this film written in 1943? Who wrote this film? Well, we know who wrote this film. A feminist, a feminist writer who gets paid millions of dollars to make horse One of them says, we have to reject men's advances without damaging their ego. Or theoretically, you could just reject men's advances and damage their ego because what do you care? You have to pretend to be confused about money. Is this a real thing? Like, do women pretend to be confused about money so that men will explain it to them? That, that this is all uh, it's such claptrap. And, and then my, my very favorite, do you want some pants? Because that's really what this is about, is women really, really want to wear pants. That demonstrates the, the power of the patriarchy is that men really don't want women to wear pants, and women really, really want to wear pants. <laughs> Love your leg warmers. Nice ascot. And then it's, you know, all the men being victimized, all the Kens being victimized by these various tactics, up to and including Ryan Gosling hitting on a trans woman, meaning a dude who has a voice deeper than Ryan Gosling's, which is an actual scene in the film, which is, which is just great. Okay, so then, final step. Finally, the women have been disabused. So now they're going to play the ultimate prank. The ultimate prank is that they are going to turn the men against each other. How are they going to turn the men against each other? They're going to turn the men against each other by switching partners. Hmm. They're going to get together and Barbie is going to be with Ken, classic Barbie and classic Ken. They're going to be together, but then they're going to move on to the other Kens and the Kens are going to start fighting each other over the ladies because they're going to, to switch over. Now, um, not to, uh, not to put too fine a point on this, but this makes no sense at all because guess what would happen? if a bunch of beautiful women decided to switch to other men simultaneously. You know what the men would do? They would throw a party. So they turn the men against each other. And then we get a 20-minute long segment of the Kens fighting each other using various implements ranging from like small bows and arrows with sticky cups at the end to, uh, to tennis rackets. And that turns into a musical number. What does any of this have to do with the plot? Nothing. Literally nothing. It's just a 15-minute digression because they wanted to insert a crappy musical number with not particularly good dancing. And then what are the women doing during this time? The women are voting. The women are voting. So now we know the Democratic turnout strategy. The Democratic turnout strategy in 2024 is going to be to get all of the Republicans to fight with one another using tennis rackets while they go and they do the voting, apparently. So they, they go and they vote. After they vote, they reestablish exactly basically how it was, the matriarchy. The matriarchy is reestablished. And Ken, who is now really sad because he has lost his power, and all he wanted in the first place was just to be treated decently by Barbie. Is he treated decently at the end by Barbie? Of course he isn't. That would be silly. At the very end, he is told that he needs to learn to live without Barbie. I just don't know who I am without you. 
You're ten. But it's Barbie and Ken. There is no just Ken. He, who was literally created as a doll to be with Barbie, he needs to learn to be apart from Barbie, and she needs to learn to be apart from him because atomistic isolation and loneliness is the best way to find fulfillment, ladies and gentlemen. It'll be best for Ken if he never sees Barbie again. It'll be better for Barbie if she never sees Ken again. Secular humanism is at its finest. We've reached the apotheosis. Men and women don't belong together. They belong very, very much apart. This is all topped off by uh, Issa Rae calling somebody a mother Again, perfect for your seven-year-old girl who loves Barbie dolls. Just perfect for her. And so we learn that men and women are supposed to be separate. They are not supposed to be together. And that maybe the matriarchy will allow the men not to be on the Supreme Court of, of Barbie land, but maybe they can get some lower circuit court judgeships. This is what we learn. And we learn one day the Kens might have as much power and influence in Barbie world as women have in the real world. Because, of course, women are, are again, just absolutely subjugated in the real world. You think that's the end of the movie. Wrong. This thing has more endings than Lord of the Rings. So ending number one is we find out that Ken is going to live apart from Barbie and he's going to find himself in being Ken. Ah, the utter joy of self-exploration. Next, we get an ending in which the CEO of Mattel, who's been completely sidelined. You remember the CEO of Mattel? Remember he was supposed to be chasing them into Barbie land for no apparent reason? So he's now in Barbie land. We don't know why he's there or what he's there to do, except that we need Will Ferrell in the movie to provide no laughs. He doesn't provide any laughs. So he shows up. His motivation throughout this movie has been completely inconsistent. He started off wanting to put Barbie back in Barbie land so that they could make money. And then he is told at one point that when Kens have taken over Kendom, they will make just as much money. He's like, no, I, that cannot be. I'm an ideologue on behalf of women. And then he arrives and he is told that, that America Ferrera wants to make ordinary Barbie, which by the way, would sell zero. Anyway, that will be profitable. And so now he wants to make ordinary Barbie because he's back to being uber capitalist, evil capitalist. He's making money off of Barbie because again, Mattel are the bad guys, but they're also the good guys, but they're kind of the bad guys, but they're mostly the good, but they're a little bad. And so that's ending number number two at this point. So we have the Barbie Ken ending. We have the CEO of Mattel ending where he says, we'll make ordinary Barbie and then girls all over the world will know that ordinariness is fine and okay. Because it's not that girls play with Barbie because they think that she's beautiful and it's aspirational. No, it's, it's bad. Okay, so then we have ending number three. You think you're done? Wrong. We're now two hours deep into this piece of shit. And we, we have now dug halfway to China and we are going to keep digging. So we have ending number three. Rhea Perlman shows up to lecture us all about the patriarchy again. You haven't heard it enough. We got to beat this sucker into the ground. We are going to take an axe, the blunt end of the axe, and we're just going to beat this thing to death. We're just going to beat it to death. So Rhea Perlman shows up because Barbie, it turns out, she spent too much time in the real world. That was the patriarchy and was terrible. So terrible that she wanted to stop it from happening in Barbie land. But now she wants to go back there because she actually learned some feelings over in, over in the real world. So she decides that after all, this whole story was just Pinocchio that she just wants to be a real boy. And in what can only be termed a sort of bait and switch, at the very end of the film, just to please the core audience, which is moms and daughters, they insert a bunch of footage, I kid you not, like home video footage of moms and daughters playing. That's what it is. Like people living their lives in female ways. Because Rhea Perlman is going to show Barbie what it's like to be a human, and then Barbie is going to say that she really wants to be a human just like you, just like you. And so they hit you with the nostalgia play at the very end. The whole movie, which should have been nostalgia and about moms and daughters, instead, the entire movie is not that. The entire movie is instead about how men are evil and terrible. And also Mattel is evil and terrible. And then at the very end, they shove in this little nostalgia play in the hope that they can buy back the audience at the very end of the film. And Barbie decides that she is going to be a real woman now. Now, when she goes, that, that's ending number three. There's still one more. So when that happens, 
when she goes to when when she goes into this white area that's supposed to be heaven because the person who she's taught, Rhea Perlman, is actually the person who actually created the doll. And we're supposed to be, this This was supposed to be a secret, is that Mattel was run by men, but the big secret all along is that a woman created the doll. News. It's not a secret. She was CEO of the company for 30 years. CEO of Mattel for 30 years, like 1945 to 1975, until the IRS caught her for tax evasion or something. The big reveal that the patriarchy said that it created Barbie, it didn't. No one thought the patriarchy created Barbie. Again, don't bother with the facts. Don't bother with sense. Don't bother with, with chronology. Don't bother, none of it matters. So Barbie is now sent back to the real world. And she is now going to experience the apotheosis of what it means to be a human woman. So we've learned early on in the movie, when she goes to the real world, she's catcalled by a bunch of the construction guys. And she says, I don't have a vagina. And she, again, amazing line for your, for your seven-year-old girl. She'll love it. So apparently, when she has turned into a real woman, she has now grown a vagina. So the first thing that she does is she goes to the gynecologist because ladies, the apotheosis of your being is not motherhood. We, we got rid of that at the very beginning. And it's not being a wife or a partner because women are supposed to be apart from men. It is your vagina. It is that you go to the gynecologist. Ladies, this is what makes you the most human you can be is that you go to the gynecologist. Now, I could point out here that that's really transphobic. That according to the same people who made this movie, not all women have vaginas. And not all people with penises are men. I could point that out right here because it obviously conflicts with the, the very ending of the film. But instead, I'm going to go with this one. At the end of all of this, they've boiled down. They, they have a whole conversation about identity and death and meaning, right? This whole conversation. What does it boil down to at the very end? What it boils down to at the very end, apparently, is being biologically female is the only thing that matters. And that's it, kind of. That's like, that's it. Like, it all just boils down to a lady at the gynecologist. That's female power. A fem female power is Barbie goes to gynecologist, which I don't know about you ladies, but that seems like that's not like the most feminist message, that lady parts are the, the entirety of the lady. So, um, so excellent, excellent job. And with that, we end the film. And then we have the, the glossy, you know, credits with, uh, with a Nicki Minaj song, uh, a Nicki Minaj version of I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. This movie started off as Barbie and it was weird Barbie. It was the toy that was handed off to Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig. And they played with it too hard. They decided that they were going to turn it inside out. They're going to rip off the hair. They're going to shave it. They're going to make it ugly. They're going to put all sorts of makeup on it. And then they're going to throw it out in the public. Now, those of us who are on the right, we look at the politics of this movie, we're like, man, this is, so it sounds like a double sandwich. It doesn't sound like, like a, a, a Big Mac. It sounds like a double Big Mac, right? It sounds like the plot is crap and the characters are crap and the humor is crap. And then on top of that, the politics are crap. But ah, 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 ah you're missing the point. There's a reason this film has 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. And the reason is, if you are on the left, you can make one of the world's most boring, crappy comedies. You can waste an extraordinary amount of money and talent. You can waste some of the great IP ever created but as long as you slather it in a bunch of warmed over glorious Steinem nonsense, the critics will just salivate over you. They'll pretend that this is an actual good movie. So here's my prediction in terms of market. The marketing campaign for this movie has been astonishingly good, right? If you, if you walked into this movie and you knew nothing of what I just said, what, what would you think this movie is? You would think that this movie was probably something like the Disney movie Enchanted, but with Barbie. It's going to be Barbie in Barbie land, and then it's going to be Barbie in the real world, and it's going to be charming, and it's going to be funny, and it's going to be warm hearted, and it's not going to be vicious and cynical. And it's not going to be what morons talk about at Hollywood cocktail parties. It's just going to be fun. It's going to be a place where a mom might be able to take her seven-year-old or eight-year-old girl and enjoy themselves together and then walk out with their arms around each other. You might think that's what it was going to be. 
And undoubtedly, millions of moms and their daughters will think that. That's what you're seeing at the theaters. That's why you're seeing everybody wearing pink to the theaters. It's become like a Star Wars kind of thing, right? It's an actual cosplay of it. The number of moms who are going to take their daughters back to the theater week two, good luck with that. Really, good luck with that. Hollywood decided to empty out its own IP here. They decided they were going to take a golden piece of IP and they were just going to smash it and turn it into Weird Barbie. And I got to tell you, and this is going to have some ramifications for Barbie the brand. I don't know why Barbie the brand would hand this property over to people who clearly hate the property. In the real world, the patriarchy rules. Men are really bad. Women need to separate off from men and hate men in order to be unblinded to the patriarchy. And then they can overthrow the patriarchy and create paradise. That is the thesis of the film. Last comment. Whenever I do film reviews like this, you know, lengthy film reviews of movies like this, the left is always like, why are you taking this so seriously? How dare you take this so seriously? Well, because this is a movie where hundreds of millions of dollars will be expended to get people to watch it. It has a heavily political message. It is explicitly designed to divide men from women. It has these negative messages directed at kids. It is supposed to be a kid's movie. It's rated PG-13. It is not marketed to PG-13. It is marketed to PG. It is marketed to moms who are going to skip the PG-13 rating and bring their daughters there anyway. It's a culturally relevant moment, a very culturally relevant moment. And so the entire left's attempts to play the, ta the face tattoo syndrome, watch as we take a piece of children's IP and wear its skin around like a mask, like Hannibal Lecter, and we notice it. And then they're like, ah, oh, you noticed it? You're obviously very upset. I find it upsetting when material that is based on children's IP marketed to little girls actually ends up being angry feminist claptrap that alienates men from women undermines basic human values and promotes falsehood all at the same time. And I think a lot of people are going to have a right to be mad. So we'll see what the income trajectory of this film is. By the way, it's just going to die in China. The overseas market for this film, good luck with the Chinese communist government putting their kids in front of this sort of stuff. Uh, it is not going to happen. Final rating. Out of, out of 10 Barbies, how many Barbies? 10 out of 10 being good. The answer is negative all the Barbies. Negative all of them. I honestly, just as a piece of film, this sucker goes in like my bottom 10 ever, ever. It is that bad. Not just because of the politics, because the plot makes no sense, because the writing makes no sense, because the acting half the time makes no sense. The entire film is a, is a dog's vomit. It is a dog's breakfast of film. So yeah, I'm going I'm to go with negative infinity Barbies. It, it is that bad. If 10 out of 10 Barbies is like the stereotypical Barbie, this is Barbie head atop the robot body made by the weird kid from Toy Story 1. That's what this is. And also, by the way, Oppenheimer is good. I'm so happy all that's on film. Barbenheimer, see it in theaters. <laughs> we'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.